Good evening, boys and ghouls, and welcome to another episode of the Mon Men Podcast. <laughs> I'm so glad that I deferred on my hosting introduction for that one. Welcome back to Mon Men. I am Yanauta Blue, here once again with the remains of Michael Darling. And we're joined this week by Monica Smith. Monica, thanks so much for joining us. If you could, to start off the episode, give us a little primer on what experience you have, if any, with Pokemon. Ooh, There's I... no wrong answer here. Cool, because mine will be wrong. Uh, I know nothing. I didn't play the game. I didn't watch it. I honestly couldn't even right now tell you what Pokemon looks like. But when I see an image, I can be like, oh, right. It's kind of like what, uh, I think it was Antonin Scalia that has that famous quote no, about Potter Stewart. Oh, there you go, about yeah. art and pornography. I can't, yeah. t- I can't define the difference, but I can I tell know you when, when I see it. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which led to the great joke in America the Book, which was when he was later asked for further comment, he said, that which gives me wood. <laughs> I never knew that follow-up. Well, I mean, that's from America the Book. It's a joke, not real, thankfully. Can okay. you imagine a Supreme Court justice saying that which gives me uh, Kavanaugh probably would, actually. I can. <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody who knows even less about pornography and way less about Pokemon than you, my own mother. <laughs> that There's you know a transition. Of. That that's, you know of. <laughs> that's a Hall of Fame transition for me there. That's um, time for Mon Mom Court, Justice Baloo presiding. <laughs> So for those who are new to the podcast or just uh, may have forgotten over the course of my vacation since the last episode, uh, Mon Mom is the game where my mother has been sent one of the Pokemon that we will be discussing today. And today we're only discussing three. It's a special Campfire Ghost Stories episode. We're going to be going through Ghastly, Haunter, and Gengar. My mom will be describing one of them, giving it a name, and it's up to our guest host and my regular co-host to see who can figure out which one she's talking about. You mean you're a (laughs) co-ghost. Oh, this is going to be a fun episode. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Here we go. This Pokemon looks like a glow-in-the-dark bat. I will name it Grampire. Okay, Michael, as always, you take the lead. So she's calling it Grampire? Yes. Like Grandpa Munster from the Munsters? Like Grandpa Munster. Okay. I'm thinking Haunter. Like, it looks kind of the most bat-like. Gengar's a little too, uh, you know, be-footed to be a bat to me. So I'm going to say Haunter. Okay. Monica? I really want to see those images again. Okay. So that I can go like, oh, right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We'll put them up on the laser display board. (laughs) Oh, man. Your audience is going to love this type. I know. This is good. The beautiful thing is that I can edit this all out. So... This would not be the first time. But I might just leave it all in with, like, ha- like elevator just, music. Yeah, yeah. Because, so there's Gengar. Oh, okay. There's Haunter. And there's Ghastly. See, you know all three names now, mm-hmm. which puts you a leg up above my mom. Yeah. So. Take that, mom, mom. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Haunter, because it could be more neon-esque. Because she said it was like a vampire and a grandpa. And look at those claws. See, you have accomplished a feat right now that only two other co-hosts have thus far, moving the scoreboard to nine to three. You got it right. Both of you got it right. So scoreboard does move in that case, but Michael Darling maintains his (laughs) six-point lead. The distance remains the same. I know. I will say that, uh, that, yeah, it's been surprising that it's actually been the guests who know less about the Pokemon that have been better at it, I feel like. Maybe they're so, less in their heads about the monsters they know. Maybe. It's almost like when someone dissects art. 
and they know too much about it, and they're like, this is what Rothko was thinking, and it's like, it just means emotion. <laughs> what does it make you feel? Uh, what do you feel? I appreciate a Rothko reference. We've really, cra- last, uh, we've really classed up the podcast so far. Ooh. I like Rothko. Yeah. I also like Ghastly. Michael, if you'd like to come up with a good Vincent Price-voiced pun to introduce the first ghost of the day. Well, first I want to introduce the very concept of ghosts. So, as you might have gathered from the spooky intro, uh, we are doing a very special episode here, where we're just going to focus on the ghost-type Pokémon found in Gen 1. That would be the Ghastly line with Ghastly, Haunter, and Gengar. Uh, And, yeah, the ghosts play an interesting role in the narrative of the first game, because you go to Labrador Town, this cute little town south of Rock Tunnel, with a giant seven-story mausoleum for Pokemon, where you are told, basically, you know that cute, cuddly adventure you've been having? Well, they die. Yeah, and this is something that you and I have kind of... Monica just made a very shocked face. (laughs) Wow, this is not child-friendly. We've been talking about literal (laughs) dogfighting. Hey, as I've said before on this pod, if someone told you that there was a dog that could shoot fire out of its mouth that was fighting a dog that shot electricity out of his eyes, you'd say, I want to watch that. I mean, or I'd just say it's probably a dragon. There are those also. It looks like a dog. (laughs) There are dragons also, and they make them fight too. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the funny, th- the, the crazy thing is, is that this is a universe where not only do you have these people that are saying, let's fu- make these things fight supposedly to the death, which I've been the big advocate for it being to the death since the start, because, and Michael is always quick to correct me on, no, they faint. <laughs> they faint. That's what they say in the game, and they have a public healthcare system that revives them. Do you bet on them? I don't think there's ever really been seen, but you do get money from winning, so... So it is like cockfighting. Yeah. In the Detective Pikachu movie that recently came out, there was an underground Pokemon battling thing, because mm-hmm. the city that it's set in outlawed Pokemon battling, but it's still happening in underground clubs, much like cockfighting and dogfighting and other terrible forms of animal abuse and battling. Um, and people are very clearly placing bets on it there. I think yeah. there are people going around taking bets. Oh, yeah, totally. Is it a commentary? Are they taking that step away and being like, this is bad? Or are they kind of like, hey, kids, isn't this fun? I'd say probably more the latter, but... Because <laughs> <laughs> they're still releasing games that millions of people are buying yeah. where this is a core gameplay mechanic. It's Again, not dog that shoots fire out of its mouth, dog that shoots eyes out of, shoots eyes out of its lightning. No, other way around. So back to this episode in particular, we're focusing on ghosts and the Pokemon afterlife as a concept. I've already speculated that the existence of these creatures kind of cancels out the idea of religion in this universe in a lot of ways. Because we have some of these creatures that we've talked about previously, Monica, that are literally a ball bearing with magnets attached to it. Mm -hmm. And that is a living creature. Okay. Yeah, this is a weird series. All right. Yeah, there's a a lot. So inanimate objects are. Even inanimate objects are. Yeah, but they're inanimate objects that are alive. Okay. Yeah. So... So that being said, the fact that there is some kind of an afterlife here, apparently all these things have souls. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, what the weird is thing is, like, they're ghost types, which could imply that they have the characteristics of a ghost, and someone's like, oh yeah, that's a ghost-type Pokemon. But then there is a moment when you fight an actual ghost of a Pokemon. It's the weirdest thing. Do you, are they in the same body and form when they're ghost and when they're alive? Well, that's the thing. There's only one ghost Pokemon, which is to say a Pokemon that is literally a ghost. And it takes the form of what it was when it was alive. So now we're getting into like the nitpicky of like what the terms are, which is that well, for us, a ghost yeah. is the spirit of a departed person. Like, whereas what we're talking about with these Pokemon are actually specters. Ex- and we're getting yeah. super Dan Aykroydy here. Oh, we'll get to that. Uh, okay. Yes, yeah. that is something I want to bring up. We yeah. have to litigate Although, Dan Aykroyd. Well, it's just a little weird bit. <laughs> to just try to wrap up this point. 
is that we have the ghost types. So like Ghastly and all of them, they're ghost types. But there is a moment when you fight against a Pokemon that is literally a ghost of a regular Pokemon that's ground type. It's not ghost type. It's the weirdest thing. They never did it again in any of the other games because I guess they realized, oh, this raises too many questions. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Okay. Monica's just given us looks. I will include gifts that kind of represent her responses <laughs> to a lot of this lore. It's totally I fine. I the term ground types. <laughs> like, what does that even mean? Like, in this world, yeah, ground? Uh, it's a type. Like, it has moves that are ground-based. Like, one that causes, like, little earthquakes and such. That's what, okay. it, that's what it's made of. Oh. It's literally sentient ground. Like Lord of the Rings. It's like the rocks yeah. and the trees. Yeah. And there's sentient water, too. And there's yeah. sentient sludge. That we okay. talked about last episode. So then everything you eat is alive. Yeah. Which is why the last section of this podcast is always so much fun. Okay. <laughs> but for the record, I'll prep you for this. And I had to prep our last co-host with this uh, preface. I am a vegetarian. I don't eat animals as it is. I still eat fictional meat for this podcast. <laughs> wow. You just... I mean, none of th- these don't have meat, I don't think. Well, mm. do I they mean, have these muscle? Ones. Well, the ghost ones, that's we're into weird territory already. Well, I found a loophole. So to set up what we're going to do with this episode, or at least what I'm going to do with this episode for each of these three Pokemon, I mentioned uh, that I was going to do a ghost episode to Mon Dad, and he proceeded to tell me with great enthusiasm that our family has a ton of ghost stories attached to it from Trinidad. So I'll be telling Trinidadian ghost stories throughout the episode. Um, But I'll leave it to Michael and Monica to work through most of the lore associated (laughs) with these ghosts. So, Michael, please tell us a little bit about Ghastly to start us off. First one, Ghastly. It's a ghost and poison type Pokemon, uh, which I just want to quickly address this before we move into the fun ghost stuff. The ghost type was supposed to be strong against the psychic type in the first generation, but they goofed when coding and made psychic immune to ghost attacks. And also ghost, uh, sorry, uh, poison type is weak to Psychic, so they made these guys completely useless against the one type they were supposed to be good against. So that was just bad game design. Uh, and you first encounter them in the Pokemon Tower. Baloo, tell me a story. Well, I just want to note that they made a tower entirely for ghosts to inhabit in this world. <laughs> so that's kind of like the Solvang of cemeteries. Whereas like in Solvang, you get like cute, kitschy antiques. In this universe, you go to like bury your Pokemon in a literal tower, which never made sense to me. They're gravestones on the fifth floor of this tower. So people are digging into the fifth floor. So they're mausoleums. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I've always thought of it as a mausoleum. Also, Solvang is, what, the second largest Danish population in North America. So it's really? like there's so few of them. I'm Danish. So there's oh. so few of them that I'd be like, hey, let's throw all the ghosts in this tower. There's so few. <laughs> Just well, like Solvang is like, yeah, hey, all you, like, really white people <laughs> from the Nordic. See, I didn't realize you were Danish also. I think of you first and foremost as a Canadian. Yeah. By the way, I'm sorry for the Raptors' uh, recent... We're still tied? Still tied. That's, I mean, what and are you going to do? Yeah, and they came back at the end. Well, this drops Sunday. We'll find out how they're doing then. Um, I do have some good news from the uh, NBA Wire, if we can divert for that for a second, because I'm a big fan. Uh, apparently, Kawhi Leonard bought property in Toronto. Recently? Very recently, as in this week, past weekend. Interesting. I heard he hates the weather, and that was a big reason he didn't want to be there. So as a Clippers fan, I was speculating for a long time that if he, and I said this openly to a few friends, that if he had, if the Raptors had gotten knocked out any time before the finals, he was coming to be a Clipper. Huh. But the fact that he even made it to the finals, I think he's in for the long haul with you guys. So wow. I'm bummed about that. And I mean, where is he now? He's currently with Toronto. Yeah. Oh. So that's why oh, I'm so saying the fact around. that they yeah. made it to the finals and yeah, duh. 
Yeah, I think after so, and they said that after this weekend, he apparently bought property in Toronto. Interesting. So. That could also be like, I'll rent it, and if people know I own it, I'll make bank. <laughs> that could just, just be like, uh, I need a little extra cash, just a, a little. A max contract NBA superstar <laughs> yeah, yeah. buying yeah, property for an Airbnb <laughs> investment. That extra that I can charge for that weekend getaway. So this is how the rich and famous <laughs> think. I need to get on that level. It's yeah. all about real estate. While we're talking about ballers and real estate, I have to bring up my favorite story about 50 Cent which is that 50 Cent is so rich that he apparently forgot about two pieces of property that he owned in Miami beca- until they got robbed and cops called him. <laughs> wow. Oh. I've I want to believe that there's an actual quote of him saying, I forgot I own that bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me, Carlos Boozer, the basketball player, he once loaned his house out to Prince for like a couple weeks or a month or something. And so Prince came in and just princified the house. Like, he painted a bunch of things purple, added all these other touches. And Boozer comes back to the house, and he's like, what the fuck have you done? And Prince is like, don't worry about it. I will pay for it all. It's good. That is just, like, the most amazingly Prince story I could imagine. But I'd also want to, like, I think anybody other than Boozer would probably, like, look at that and say, like, all right, I got to turn this into a museum now. This is the museum (laughs) of, like, a place Prince stayed Mm. once. There's also, like, those Prince stories... Uh, I can't remember who the celebrity is, where they were invited to meet him, come to his house, waited an hour and a half. He came downstairs, let's set, said, let's play a game of pool. They played like two hits, Prince walked away, and then never came back down. <laughs> wow. I wish oh. I remember who it was, like a comedian, because he was like, I, I thought, thought you were I about to tell the Charlie movie. Murphy story from uh, oh God, Chappelle yeah. Show, but no, that's oh, even no, better. No, no, yeah. <laughs> Did you ever see Prince, either of you? Mm-mm. No. Oh, I saw him when he was doing this 21-night stand at the Forum, where it was like tickets were just $25 for anywhere in the building. Uh, which was, you know, phenomenal. Yeah. And you have to jump on that because, of course. Uh, but the thing that was established was that he would play Purple Rain, lights would go up, he'd leave the stage, all of that. And then maybe like 15 to half an hour later, he would come back and do another set of music. So I was waiting. We were waiting. And Prince doesn't come back. And people start leaving. And we're thinking, okay, what's going on? Maybe he's taking longer because Prince. So eventually he comes out, but he's riding a bicycle around the floor of the forum. <laughs> and security is trying to chase after him to make sure no one gets to him. He doesn't perform a single note of music after that point. He's just riding on his bike until security kicks everybody out. I just love the idea of like security having to like play interference for this guy <laughs> in the middle of the forum. Yeah, and Prince was just on like a shitty little uh, Schwinn or something. And still I mean, dressed in his stage costume. Jesus. It wasn't like a fancy, like ridiculous bike. It was a bike you'd see on the street. So when people go, but he was still in costume. Hey, have you seen Prince in concert? Do you find a way to not lie and be like, yeah, I've seen him in a concert environment? No, I mean, I did see him perform because like, he performed a full set. A he song. Just, well, no, he did a full set because it was like a good like two hours or so. Oh, of so music. you were and waiting he was for him to come out for the another, encore. But, like, it wasn't so much an encore. It was like. A full bonus hour was what he was supposed to do. I like don't he know. Was, yeah, no, this it was sounds the, like you're a little bit of a I think selfish. Got, I yeah, think you, you got, got your bonus yeah, hour. Yeah, no. You got a two and a half hour concert, and you're like, "Where's my come? Where's that extra <laughs> and hour?" You got, and you got an amazing story out of oh, it. Yeah. That gets oh, even better than yeah. the encore set. Yeah. No, I'm not angry at all. Like I actually was like, I got Prince on a bicycle. That's better than getting another hour of Prince music because lots of people are getting that. Who's getting Prince on a bicycle? Well, no one, because he's dead. Aww. It could be a ghost. <gasps> wow. And here I thought I was the one with the transitions that get us back on track. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to tell my first ghost story here. This is uh, this is the point. So 
As far as uh, Trinidadian folklore, so since we're dealing with ghastly, which is a mostly uh, formless, shapeless, uh, intangible Pokemon, the first story my dad tells me has to do with uh, imperialism, um, because that's a fun thing that Trinidad was subjected to. Um, I have gotten non-responses from J.K. Rowling on Twitter numerous times asking her about British imperialism <laughs> and how that affects which wizardry and witchcraft. I wonder why. Um, but my dad tells me that where the house he grew up in, in a relatively poor area of Trinidad known as Prince's Town, uh, that it used to be used for indentured servant barracks. And that apparently, because of the way, I mean, that's obviously the soft word for slaves. Um, con- contractual slaves. Hmm. And that because of the way they were mistreated and all that stuff, a bunch of people died there. My dad grew up on a literal Indian burial ground. Not Native American, Indian, because we're from India. And so he said that, like, numerous times while he was a kid, he would hear voices, like, from where the bodies are buried, like, talking about wow. work during the day. And not nothing, like, sinister or anything like that, but once in a while they would call out to him. And one time like the one time he was certain that they were calling his name and telling him to come outside come outside after dark and mind you this is an area of trinidad with no lights no Mm -hmm. electricity back when he was growing up um his mom actually called out and said don't go (laughs) so yeah so i've heard that classic story about like you know the kid at the top of the staircase hears his mom saying come downstairs and then from behind him from her bedroom he hears her also say i heard it too don't go totally happened to my dad um so there you go. So tell us a little bit more about this gaseous Pokemon. I just want to say, what if in that ghost story of the kid hearing his mom downstairs, and then his mom says, don't go, from the bedroom, maybe it's the ghost that's in the bedroom really pulling a double reverse there. Well, that's the whole point, is that you don't know which way to go. I was going the other way. What if mom's just, like, loves pranking? <laughs> what if mom's like, hey, you know what? He didn't eat his dinner tonight. I'm going to fuck with him. <laughs> Mom put a baby monitor somewhere in the house. Yeah. If I'm ever a father, I'm totally going to do that to my kid. <laughs> Just like plant a recorder with a timer on it. Scare him a little. And then be like, no, 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 don't go. We don't want him to go outside. He'll get cold. And then just keep like, hey, hey, hey. And do just wait until say. his college graduation or something like that to reveal it. <laughs> and then they forget to reveal it. So oh. then he now tells this story for generations. There we go. So here I am. Yeah. When Baloo Jr. is doing Mon Men, the sequel, The Next Generation. Uh, I love how you think that my child would be named Baloo Jr. after my last name. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, Baloo Jr. That's how Baloo. that works. I mean, there was a Smith on um, Sex and the City. Which the one? guy that dated Kim Cattrall, and then when she gets cancer, they shave their head. He shaves his head with her. It's my last name, and it's so common, but I really like that it was used as a <laughs> first name. But it was a moment for me to be like, yeah, own the name. <laughs> Smith Smith. I like that idea. I mean, and his I last name was something different. Also, when you make <laughs> a point of, like, using all three names, mm-hmm. there's just already a history of, like, president murderers or assassins. Like, there's already a lot of bad people that go by three names. There's, like, such a weird hubris to it. Yeah. Like, if you're introducing yourself with all three names, it's like, really? You expect somebody to sit here and sit through all six of those fucking syllables? I'm Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Well, I think it's allowed <laughs> in the industry if there might be someone else who has that name, like Paul Thomas Anderson and Paul W.S. Anderson. But does Paul Thomas Anderson introduce himself as Paul Thomas Anderson? by P.T., right? See, there you go. Oh, yeah. Sure. sure. It. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, like, Michael Keaton's real name is Michael Douglas. Yeah, I love that. Albert Brooks. Albert Einstein is his real name. Because his brother, Super Dave, also changed his name. Yes. That was crazy. And Michael J. Fox has to do the same thing. There are a bunch of those stories in Hollywood. And apparently Michael J. Fox only had to add the middle initial to his name because the Michael Fox 
isn't originally named Michael Fox, he had to change his name, and it's like a whole chain of people who had to change their name. And his middle name isn't with a J. Yeah. He just liked the sound of it better. It's got a good ring to it. Yeah. So, the gas Pokemon. (laughs) Oh, yeah, gas. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, this is just a thing in the games is the Pokedex, which just describes interesting things about the Pokemon. And the Pokedex has a tendency to be completely absurd at times, such as this one, where it mentions that, you know, throughout multiple games it says that it can suffocate anything uh per the game fire red it can topple an indian elephant by un- enveloping the prey in two seconds hilariously though a strong wind uh, can also blow ghastlies away very quickly so this is a creature that could be blown away by wind or suffocate an elephant it's the mist from stephen king oh or it's the bird bread bird box both of those just a gust of wind and they go away. Oh, so that's is that what that was? Yeah, I never watched Bird Box. Yeah, Bird Box is like uh, foggy air. Like it's a mist essentially and birds aren't affected by it. So that's why you carry birds around with you. But if hmm. there's if it's windy, it goes away. <laughs> <laughs> so I love it when certain horror movie elements are so easily dismissed because it makes me think of that scene in Forgetting Sarah Marshall where they're making fun of Kristen Bell for a movie that she actually made that her character parallel in that universe also made, where, like, technology is slowly killing everybody. It's a Wes Craven film, believe it or not. Okay, so Wes Craven, yeah. Um, And they're making fun of her. Yeah, they're making fun of her character for it, and, like, Jason Segel and Russell Brand are both, like, shifting around. And Russell Brand is amazing in that movie. It's one of my favorite movies of all time, by the way, just because I love referencing movies that I love watching. Have here you on this seen podcast. the new Ali Wong Randall Park movie? Not my cue. It's good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, Keanu Reeves is in it, and I am a what? very big Keanu Reeves fan. Um, very, very big. I should just do a podcast where I talk about him. <laughs> uh, and he plays himself in it. Oh. And he gets drunk in it. I won't ruin it for you. Um, but yeah, it's that like sort of commentary on who he is and his persona and <laughs> how he comes across. That's kind of fun when they go meta if it's done right. Yeah, Keanu Reeves is one of those people who, like, it just strikes me as being probably one of the best human beings ever. Yeah, sounds like it. Yeah, there's so mm-hmm. many. All right, so we've done Nick Cage anecdotes on the last episode. Everybody share your favorite Keanu Reeves anecdote. <laughs> Monica? Oh, like his real life thing? Yeah, so I have, so I, I can lead off on this because this one's local to me where I grew up. Um, he lived in an area of the Upper East Side near where I went to school. And apparently on his birthday at a bakery near my school, um, this is beautiful, but also sad Um, because of like, you've heard of the tragedies in his life. Yeah. Reunited sister passed away and then his wife passed away. And then he's been kind of just, he have a child who was born stillborn or something like that. Yeah. Something like that with her. Yeah. And this, all this happened within the span of like, I think five years. So it was just one thing after the other with him. And so that also le- that's why he lives so generously like giving away hmm. like most of his bonus salary that he got from like the gross profits of the matrix to the special effects team mm-hmm. nice a dude who oh, just because yeah, rhythm and hughes got fucked on that yeah so because he knew that they put in so much overtime and that they really made the movie he just like said yeah all the other money i'm making beyond my contractual salary going to the special effects team mm-hmm. um but he also, on his birthday, just go, would go to this bakery, order a cake, and then just stand there and share it with whomever showed up. Which is just, like, such a simple, beautiful thing in a weird sort of way. Yeah. Like, mm. 
I don't want to have anybody make a thing of my birthday. I want to make something of my birthday yeah, for other people. Nice. Mm-hmm. And I kind of took that to I kind of took that to heart. That's why like I always did like those scavenger hunts and gave away prizes on my birthday um, when I was younger and actually did not want to hide away and be com- a complete hermit on my birthdays. So you tried to be Keanu Reeves as a child? Absolutely. <laughs> I think there's no higher calling. <laughs> and by a child, we mean when he was in his early 20s. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So a child in the head. I mean, it's America. You're a child. Yeah. If you're white, you're a child until you're 45. Apparently, this is a Pokemon podcast, after all. Also, yeah. Well, while I'm on the subject, fuck Trump. Mm. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you're apologizing to the Canadian who's like, oh, but wait. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you guys did give Obama a standing ovation in Game Two mm-hmm. over the weekend, so props to you guys. <laughs> I mean, Canada's pretty great politically for the most part i could go down that road there's always issues hmm. um the no perfect yeah the fords the fracking there's a bunch yeah. but yeah we don't like trump just like everyone around the world yeah, yeah i'm trying to think who does yeah well nobody i care about anyway hungary a lot of people's Poland, parents i think <laughs> <laughs> the people still using facebook yeah. for the most your key on your story uh, I don't actually have, like, a specific one. I've only continually heard that he is nice to people. He takes time to sign autographs and smile. Bought all the crew motorcycles when he heard one of them liked him. Wow. Like, I've heard little things like that. Cute. I know he finds the sad Keanu meme funny and it makes him feel happy. Also, when he was a kid and playing hockey, like, he'd be in goal and reciting Shakespeare to himself. Oh, wow. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. He actually rescued the dog from John Wick. The first John Wick movie. That Aww. is his actual dog now. The that has been appearing in sequels. So yeah, cute. that pit bull. Oh, at the ending. Yep. Oh, the one that's been in the sequels. Yeah, that's why he's act. That's why there are shots of him actually walking it in John Wick two and three. Hmm. That's yeah. his actual dog now. <laughs> if we were to, did you guys see John Wick three? Not yet. I haven't yet. I wasn't going to spoil it at all. There's just a there's a good dog fight scene, um, fighting humans, so not fighting each other. Good. And then there's a weird takeaway of Halle Berry just fighting for twenty minutes, where I'm like, stop showing us the character you want to make a movie about because <laughs> I didn't come here for that. They did that to Bond, too. Like, Yeah, they tried to make her character a thing. And I feel like they've tried multiple times to turn Halle Berry into an action star over the course of her career. Yeah. And it just has not... She's a very talented actress, but I don't know why they keep trying to make that happen. I don't think it's... Yeah, it's not her genre, perhaps, because she tried with Storm. That didn't work either, right? Yeah, oh... Worked-ish. I mean, she's never felt integral to any of the X-Men movies. Just like a nice little like, oh, hey, there's Storm. And then that's all you They never tried to make her a spin-off film, I think you could say. Like, whereas with Bond, they clearly were trying to set her up as a spin-off character. I think that's what they're doing with John Wick. Interesting. And I'm surprised that your mind went to Storm as the example of how she doesn't work as an action star. Because the more ready example is Catwoman, which apparently everybody forgot exists. No, I... That's even Catwoman. more of a How do you follow Michelle Pfeiffer? God, Catwoman is terrible in the best way. Yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer just killed it. Yeah, she absolutely dominated that yeah. role. Yeah. So Pokemon. Oh, yeah, Pokemon. <laughs> That's what we're talking about here. Um, and you give me crap for my transitions. <laughs> oh, I wasn't going for a transition there. I was going for a, what are we talking about again? Cats have nine lives. So do they ever become a ghost? <laughs> trying to transition for you. <laughs> That was a transition. <laughs> I mean, maybe once the ninth life is run out, or maybe, maybe there's like nine levels of afterlife for cats, and who knows? 
We're getting into some deep spiritual territory here. They have to walk the Eightfold Path. And somebody who seemed like they were walking the Eightfold Path was Sabrina from the TV show because of her Buddhist-like focus and unflappability until a haunter came and broke that focus with its sense of humor. Michael, could you tell us a little bit about that Pokemon? She was a witch. She would have been a Wiccan. <laughs> I was talking about or Sabrina, Satanist. the gym leader friend. Oh, I thought you were talking... <laughs> I had the same moment of, like, Sabrina, the teenage witch. Yeah, thank you. I was going to say... I didn't expect a... you to follow that. That's why yeah. I focused entirely <laughs> on him. I was like, Buddhist? I was... She would have been a Wiccan or a Satanist. I'm just wanting to make sure that there wasn't anything we... Oh, one other thing about uh, Ghastly is just funny that they really mention the poisonous gas everywhere. Like, that it makes up 95% of its body is poisonous gas. Uh, I believe there's an urban legend about some uh, guy in London who is gassing people blue. Yeah, I pointed that out. This was a whole thing about stupid serial killer stuff about why you shut your windows and lock them at night and apparently it was some people speculate that it was started by home security salesmen to mm. encourage people to buy window locks wow <laughs> i mean that's why that there was a story about a guy who completely unsubstantiated that was like filling people's homes with gas for mm. no reason except to kill them okay so yeah. well the only purported incident of uh someone uh, finding like razor blades or poison in candy was a guy who was poisoning his own kids. And somehow that's turned into a thing where it's like, always check your kids' candy on Halloween for, you know, poison or razor blades or whatever. Yeah, I'm at least a halfway decent writer, so I always ask, what's the motivation here behind this killing whenever my mom would tell me that kind of stuff? <laughs> like, what does this person Mother, get out of? <laughs> he's just not, plus I'm not going to die. I'm just going to fuck up my gums. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love, like... Maybe it's the dentist doing it or orthodontist. Ooh, I like that conspiracy. Just being like, sugar's not enough. We need more kids in the in seats. Start some razor But, I mean, blades. dentists would want you to eat the candy then so that yeah. you come in with more candy. And then you eat the razor blade and then you cut up your mouth Ooh. and then more money for them. Well, you're not like going that. to a dentist if you get a razor blade. You're going to the ER. You're giving the money to the guy across the street. True. Yeah, dentists he's on. Doing that. He's in on it too. Also, dentists are always across the street from the hospital. <laughs> that's just there's always that's just good county zoning yeah <laughs> where's my health care uh, uh, i'm sorry i think of all towns as being like pokemon towns <laughs> <laughs> where there's one poke center and no hospitals exactly it's all the same because you only faint yeah why do you need exactly. a hospital yeah um or a cemetery tower for that matter <laughs> because pokemon die apparently apparently I hate to break this truth to you but apparently and some of die. them turn into haunters yeah uh, Haunter. Haunter is... Poor Grampire. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so it's another one in this line. I mean, there's not much more to say about that in terms of its typing. It's still Ghost and Poison. That's going to be the same all the way here. Uh, Baloo, you have a ghost story connected to this one. I have a ghost story connected to this one as well. So this one is another case of a Trinidadian legend that my family was convinced was haunting them because my family also kept livestock that mysteriously started dying. And again, me applying a little bit of logic here, I'll be the skeptic for myself and say that my family owned numerous chickens that over a course of time were turning up dead, and they suspected that it was what is known as a lagahu, which is basically Trinidad's version of man-bear-pig. Um, and they thought it was slaughtering this thing, but I'll also note that my family at this time also owned 10 dogs. So I'm going to be a little bit more skeptical about this one. Um, but the Lagahu is like a known male version, and there's like a weird female equivalent to it called La Diables. So the Lagahu just gets like this goofy kind of 
quasi funny name of like being like this man bear pig dude that like raids your chicken coop. Uh, Le Diablesse, on the other hand, follows this brilliant tradition that kind of like is pan cultural of female demons that are like inhuman that murder men for being dumb horny. Um, we talked on a past episode about a Japanese uh, demon slash ghost slash urban myth uh, that I looked up since our previous episode talking about it. Uh, Kuchisaki Ona, that is the woman wearing a surgical mask with like a Harlequin Have cut you heard about on this her one? cheek. Have you heard of this? Oh, so this is crazy. So um, Japanese ghosts seem to have very specific rules of how they operate. So like this one... It walks up to you, it's wearing a surgical mask, it looks like a pretty woman aside from the surgical mask, and it asks, do you think I'm pretty? You say, yes, then she will take the mask off, revealing that she has a big Chelsea smile, and then she'll ask, do you still think I'm pretty? If you say yes, she stabs you in the face and gives you a Chelsea smile. If you say no to either question, she just kills you on the spot. Sweet away. Yeah. You're done. Unless... Unless there are certain ways to get past it. One that I love is... Actually, hang on. I did the research. Mm -hmm. So we talked about this last time. I remember what you said. The way it was... Trying to confuse her doesn't work. I thought bringing up, uh, you know, essays on Vox about modern standards of beauty and media Mm -hmm. might engage her in a discussion that would distract her from the murderous intent. Nope, not the case. What you do is you actually throw rice on the ground, and she gets distracted by the rice trying to count it. Dry rice. Dry rice. Yeah. But you do, you can get away if you say you're so-so. That confuses her. But also, like, so many women and men now wear masks, especially in Asia. Hmm. Having been there a bunch, it's like because of the pollution and everything. Mm-hmm. So, And it's kind of become trendy. Like, if you want to be seen as a celebrity, a lot of young girls will start wearing masks oh. just so you think they might be a celebrity. <laughs> so if you believe this fable, you're, you're fucked. Well, I think you're only fucked if they start coming up to you and asking if you think they're pretty. That's when you know and if they're holding one. giant scissors. But what if you say, "What is beauty?" See, that's I think the that same question I asked. Yeah. yeah, I think that might confuse them. I mean, if you say "so-so," like that causes them to be like, "Hmm," and you can go away. Uh, but yeah, because like, "so-so" confuses them. They expect a strict binary. Or if you go, do you think I'm pretty? You Ooh, like reflect. I wonder about that. Yeah. The last time your girlfriend asked you, "How do I look in this?" Did you answer so-so, and did you get away alive? <laughs> I'd also I did not <laughs> <Yeah>. say that. <laughs> I want to be on... I but somehow this works with a demon. <laughs> well, because yeah. demons follow strict logic. Well, women. Woo! <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but once they're dead, then they get it. Then they know the rules of society. Yeah. Well, you no, can't I'm see this, but Michael is doing a Rodney Dangerfield tie pull right now. <laughs> demons are cursed. To follow certain rules. And women are cursed to follow sexist society. Yes, this is true. <laughs> Meanwhile, men are being Ugh. killed for being dumb, horny by La Jobless. So I, I do want to touch on, <laughs> get back to the Trinidadian myth here. So the Lagahu just like eats chickens and livestock. La Jobless is like a woman who lures men into like the cane fields in Trinidad. And apparently the way you're supposed to spot her is by not being dumb, horny enough to notice that she has a hoof for a foot. On one leg. Wow. So you're saying Tarantino would be safe? Oh, yeah. He'd be all... Yeah. So foot fetishists definitely oh, would notice. Oh, is he in defeat? Oh, really in defeat. There's like a whole wealth of articles. I guess if you of think articles. of his already thinking of his movies, Kill Bill and stuff, I'm like, oh, a lot of close-ups. Yeah. 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 A lot yeah. of close-ups. 
there's like an integral character moment in Kill Bill Volume 1 that that's, centers around her just moving her toe. I know, I just watched it a couple <laughs> weeks ago, so I was like, uh-huh, okay, I mean, that's like I the one you. justified one, but yes, otherwise. Yeah, um, him and Joss Whedon are like the two feet guys that are of note. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'll provide I'll provide a summary article for listeners in the notes as always. This is like a relatively light show notes episode. We're pretty far in, and that's the first show notes promise I've made. Wait, well, Justin Long was in a movie directed by a pedophile. Uh, Jeepers Creepers, Jeepers pedophile. Creepers, and the whole movie sexualizes men for a horror movie, and that never happens. Huh. He's shirtless the whole movie. Wow. Huh. Uh, yeah, that guy went. I don't know if he went to jail, but he was accused multiple times of. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I was trying to help you with like, oh, research to tell people things. Hashtag progress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Except he directed the second one. I appreciate that we all knew the title of it as soon as you said that movie directed by a pedophile. Oh no, I didn't. <laughs> oh okay. Yeah. I literally had to ask which pedophile. Woody Allen. <laughs> <laughs> Such yeah. is the state of Hollywood. Yeah, uh, unfortunately. So yeah, so lo- to close off on La Jobless, um. This thing is terrifying. It lures you into sugarcane fields, then transforms into a wild boar and guts you to death. Um, so I think of that when I think of Haunter, because Haunter just see- is noted in the Pokemon lore of having a sense of humor. What's more of a fun little demonic prank than luring you into sugarcane fields to gore you to death? I like that that's a prank in the demon book. Yeah. yeah I mean, compared like, to. Haha, got you. Yeah. Brought compared you to sweet and then hurt you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, compared to do you think I'm pretty and so so being the answer. I think that's a pretty good prank. <laughs> so just don't be horny no, around mean, her. That's apparently fair, a lesson that multiple cultures have. Yeah. To be fair, the Kuchisake Ona's prank is if you say that she's beautiful twice once you, you see her smile, she then makes you like her. Yeah, the crazy thing about the Kuchisake Ona is that the is that less of a demon. This is actually a. Uh, I did some research into this between episodes. We brought this up, I think, three months ago on a past episode. It stems from two potential origins. One is a folklore of a Japanese samurai who found his wife cheating on him and cut her face, like gave her like the Joker smile. Hmm. Um, the other one is that apparently, semi recently, there was talk of a woman who was imitating the myth. Um, and doing that. It's unclear how much of a validated actual news story or urban legend, but this is like way back in like the 20th century. Huh. What if all those soccer fans in England that would do that? Right? When you would put a credit card and then you'd push it. Have you heard about that? No. No. Uh, Manchester, like they, there used to be warnings about if you traveled to certain games and like, I think it was like in the 80s, they would take credit cards and they'd put it in your mouth and then they'd push it so it would rip both sides so you'd get that Joker smile. Holy I thought shit. you referenced it earlier because the way you named yeah, it. Yeah, the Chelsea smile. Yeah. I thought yeah, you were I just mispronouncing back. Cheshire and oh. I just didn't want to be that guy that was correcting you. I thought yeah. you were talking about how the soccer teams were really violent for a while. No, I think the Chelsea oh smile term goes back to like the 1920s at least. It's referenced in, it's either train spotting or some movie like that. They bring it back up again. Also called the Glasgow smile. Interesting. Also called ugly. <laughs> <laughs> Said to have originated in Glasgow in the 1920s and 30s, but became popular with English street gangs. Wikipedia's article, by the way, has a fun little phrase here, a London-based hooligan firm. <laughs> I would love to be a hooligan. Gang sounds rough. Hooligan makes it sound fun. Yeah. What's, yeah what is the difference between a hooligan and a thug? Yeah, because they do the same thing. Those hooligans robbed me. Those thugs <laughs> robbed me. Yeah. 
I'm trying to think. I think hooligans have like a little bit more of like a hoop and holler. Like they got like more practice chants about them. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. there might be There's a little, little bit more, more branding, probably. A little more whimsy to the hooligans, also. It's back to joke. Like they're having a laugh. Yeah. Yeah. They're kind of like happy about it. Yeah. Versus thugs are like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> a thug beats you up. A hooligan beats you up while laughing about it. That's worse. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. what makes it more fun. That's some yeah. Fight Club shit going on right there. That's Tyler Durden laughing while you beat the shit out of him. See, I was thinking Clockwork Orange. I was thinking uh, that Michael Pitt movie. Man, we are just all on different wavelengths. Yeah. That's fantastic. This is truly a meeting of great minds. Yeah. Right <laughs> so there's another uh, mythological monster that could apply here for Haunter. Uh, so it has the ability to suck life out of people with its tongue, which reminded me of the Manangul... Uh, let me try that again. Which reminded me of the... Man Anna Nongal. With that description of the tongue power, I thought you were going to read a Tinder bio there, but good. <laughs> yeah, great. I know it does sound like I'm just like this. <laughs> you really gotta want to know more to keep yeah. looking. <laughs> I have the ability to suck life out of people cut. with my tongue. Yeah, the Man Anangal, a vampire from the mythology of the Philippines that uses its proboscis-like tongue to suck the blood out of sleeping pregnant women. I don't know why it has such a very specific diet, but that was the first thing I thought of when I read that Haunter uses its tongue to suck the life out of people. Do they die? The you pregnant suck the women? life out of. Well, I mean. Or is it just like, you need some pleasure? Yeah, You're the Philippines horny. monster only <laughs> sucks blood. It doesn't sound like it fully kills. Yeah, I mean, so like vampires. menstruating women. Yeah, I guess. Well, I mean, pregnant, I think, is the specific thing there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but there's, you know, postmenopausal. You're not getting targeted by this thing, I guess. All right, so while I'm signing Michael Darling up for a biology 101 remedial course, <laughs> I'm saying that there are <laughs> non-menstruating women who are also are not pregnant. I know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but should be, uh, am I right? <laughs> hey. Uh, and now, Baloo, it's time to turn to one of your favorite features, Ash Ketchum being a dumbass. Atch catch him being a dumbass. All right, so this is, you're aware that there's a Pokemon TV show? Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. Okay, there we go. So um, on this TV show, it's a recurring feature that the protagonist of this show is an overwhelming dumbass, despite being the protagonist of a show. Mm -hmm. um, I think he's there mainly to make us feel better about each other but um, and ourselves. But he happened to be facing a gym leader with who specialized in the one type that is weak against ghosts. Did you say Gem leader or gym leader? Because I mean, yeah, it's so, like gym instructor or like Rube. Oh yeah, so let me, so <laughs> let me, uh, so basically in the Pokemon universe, I actually really want to get her take on this universe as a concept. Okay, yeah. Because, um, so in this universe, when you are 12, 14, uh, of adolescent age, it is actually a viable occupation to drop out of school. You are fully funded by the that's government with... Imp that's implying there is any school. Yeah, that too. Mm -hmm. Um to travel and backpack around the country and make a career out of trying to battle people who run gyms around the country. Is it like Rumspringa and you come back when you're done? No, this is your life now. This is oh. your life and you basically try to become like a sponsored Pokemon trainer. Like you try to make a career out of that. Okay. And so you try to beat the local gym leaders being like the best trainer in town who runs a gym that's themed after a specific type. Yeah. So let's say in Santa Monica, you would have to fight a water gym leader because of the beach. And mm. then in Venice, you would have to fight a grass gym leader because, let's be honest. <laughs> and then 
you know, in San Bernardino, you had to fight the ground gym leader because what else is there in San Bernardino? Nothing else to look at. Bingo. So you go around, you fight against other trainers, and then you hope you can beat all eight gym leaders in your local region. But you're a child. You're essentially like a puberty-ridden child yeah. who now has the confidence because you have hormones. Yes. Then yeah. goes out and wants to fight like Rocky-type trainers who have been around for years. Yeah. Yes. Some of them are also children. It doesn't make sense. Oh, okay. We've t- I've actually touched on the fact that at one episode in the show, so the show comprised mainly for a number of years of a trio of people that were traveling together. So a 14-year-old girl, our 12-year-old protagonist, and another 16 or 17-year-old boy. And at one point, the 16 or 17-year-old boy found a woman to shack up with. Not a joke. <laughs> <laughs> and he ditched them. So, Weird. So when... The two characters. The 16-year-old boy character, by the way, was aggressively horny throughout the entire series. Yeah. He was what state? What's their legal age? <laughs> 16. Well, if you can go out on your own at 14 and just live on the road, like who knows what the rules are? Yeah. Is that, before, is that how you look at it? Because that gets real creepy. <laughs> yeah. Before being horny was a cliche brand. Yeah. He was already horny as a brand. Okay. He yeah. established being horny as a brand. <laughs> um, uh, everyone knows horniness was invented by the Pokemon company in 1998. Before that, it was... Yeah. Shh, stop it. It was very... Yeah, it was very I think before that, we, yeah. the Japanese saved us from our puritanical ways. Yeah. I think before that, it was known as being randy. Yeah. Which also, if you knew that term and you still named your kid that... Yeah. That's spicy. <laughs> that's, uh, that's sending a message. Right? <laughs> that's so, dating a... Honey, this is how you were born. You go across the country... You try to beat the eight gym leaders who are the, you know, regional champions or whatever you want to call them. I don't know how to really describe it. So Ash is a dumbass. He generally couldn't beat any of them on his first try. Okay. Um, He usually needed luck or some quirk of physics or something. And in this case, where there was the psychic gym leader, so pick a county in Los Angeles that you think is psychic. I don't know. Uh, let's say downtown um, Los Angeles. I feel like I, I feel like Beverly I Hills is probably where they're. Oh yeah, that's psychics. probably a lot of psychic terror readers. I would say Silver Lake. There's a lot of um, Ooh, stores crystals. with crystals. Good point. Either that or the Scientology Center. Oh. Well, they awesome. don't believe in spirits. Well, Thetans. If you are a Thetan, you're human. With you, just become a Thetan after you study. A well, bunch. the Thetans yeah, are inside that w- you, aren't they? I think the Scientology Center would actually be the Lavender Town Tower. But Ooh. back to the show. Um, Ash. Couldn't beat the psychic gym leader, and what's strong against psychics? Ghosts. Okay. So he goes, and so he's told where to go get a ghost. They go on like a little diversion side adventure for two episodes, where he tries to catch a ghost, mm-hmm. fails completely, briefly dies. Yes, briefly dies. And becomes a ghost. Yes, actually. Use that power. Yeah. And just fight then. Nope. No. <laughs> he becomes easy. a he becomes a ghost, <laughs> and he basically tells the ghost, "Hey, I want to keep going on my adventures." And the ghost types are like, "Okay, buddy, we'll do it for you." They don't actually speak, but they gave that You sense. got that. You got yeah. that gist. Yeah, they bring him back to life. Okay. Um, it's a very Harry and the Hendersons moment where the ghosts are like, you need <laughs> to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Go home. A very Go. Harry and the Hendersons <laughs> moment. The ghosts. Is- E.T. You had so many movie options that people would know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Do people not know Harry and the Hendersons at this point? I don't think yes. So. Which is to say, no, they don't. Uh, yeah. Hang on. If you listen to this podcast, the number of times I've referenced 30 Rock on this, there was an entire episode that satirized Harry and the Hendersons. Yeah, that's true. But I'll forgive yeah. you that one, but you should know it by now, Michael I mean, Darling. Yes, but also, like, that's a show that ended, what, like, yeah. 
five years ago, like which I still reference. love 30 Rocks, don't get me wrong. But <laughs> but Harry and the Hendersons is a John Lithgow classic, so I still stand by it. Um, <laughs> either way, I mainly wanted it just for us, just to like draw Monica to picturing like a 12-year-old boy being shouted at by ghosts yeah. to go! Get out of here! No! <laughs> I didn't like, want it. It's like Shane. It's a classic Western. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I didn't want the kid wanted Shane to come back. They all want him to come back yeah. at the end, yeah. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, and they John did Lithgow actually out. didn't want Harry to go. Yeah, he just he knew it was him. for his own good. Yeah. Thank you. Didn't they make a TV spinoff of Harry and the Hendersons? Yeah, it was called Alf, and that <laughs> ended in tragedy. Say, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You ever see the video of Alf just swearing and dropping uh, racial slurs on set? Yeah. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. Alf Show drops notes. the N-bomb. Also, the opening <sighs> credits have, like, a boom drop in it. <laughs> For the first couple seasons, if you huh. watch one of the original, you'll see, like, there's a point where, like, mics and stuff fall into frame. Uh, that makes Which, sense. to be fair, in Hollywood, the boom drop is more unforgivable than dropping the N-bomb. Why isn't it called boom drop instead of mic drop? Just to make it more like an accident. I think it depends, I think it depends on the <laughs> mic that you're dropping. Yeah. <laughs> I do like the idea of someone, like, doing a rap battle while someone else holds a boom mic for them. And have the boom drop instead <laughs> and be like, that's how powerful I am. I don't even hold no, it. That, and then, like, the whole point of it is, is, like, rather than being able to drop the mic yourself, you have to jump up, grab it, and forcefully yank it down. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's attached to some guy's waist, like, yanks. <laughs> for our listeners who may not know what a boom mic is, Google it. <laughs> Yeah, so Ash eventually got a Haunter to basically think that he was such an entertaining dumbass. This is why I mentioned that Haunters are, like, funny and more amusing among them. Uh, This Haunter thought he was so funny and amusing and pathetic that it followed him to help him out. Um, And when the crucial time came for the battle, it did not join in the battle. It just peaced out for a few minutes, left Ash on his own. And then reappeared to make the gym leader laugh and break her super focus. And then he won the battle ah, by a technicality. That feels very moral. Yeah. Right? Like, I won't help you with my gifts, but I'll help you in my own way. Mm. It's like a parent who's like, I won't give you the answer. I mean, it's Mr. Miyagi doing that like weird leg thing for him behind the scenes. Right. And then telling him to cheat. <laughs> <laughs> I have a friend, and this is like a thing from How I Met Your Mother, but I do have a friend that agrees with Barney, like, legitimately on the whole thing. Like, yeah, I don't understand that movie because fucking Danielson cheats at the end. Like, legitimately, objectively cheats. (laughs) Win with two wrongs and a right. Like, everybody just gets DQ'd and uh, Cobra Kai wins. Sorry, that's just the way it goes. So for people who don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, we expect, on this podcast, yeah. we expect that you know our tangents or you just wait for us to get past them. <laughs> okay. They're uh, like, oh, they'll run this course out. Yeah. When Haunter evolves, you have to trade him to another player and it turns into a Gengar. So this is another Pokemon I did not have growing up when I was playing the uh, video game because, so Monica, you didn't play the games, but I did not. you had to actually take your Game Boy, especially when the first set of games came out and we did not have Wi-Fi as a thing. You had to connect a cable between two Game Boys, look another person in the eye and say, I want to trade this Pokemon for that Pokemon and like actually do it to get wow. all of them. It's like a board game. Kind of. Yeah. 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 It was kind of like Monopoly, I guess. Like yeah. you could not possibly buy all the property that you needed unless you were like insanely lucky or a good thief like I was. Mm. Um, yeah. I, everyone was trying to be friendly in this one in terms of the training. Element. Yeah. 
So Gengar is one of those Pokemon, there are a few of these where you cannot get them by any other means except for to trade a Haunter to somebody else, and then it would evolve into this Pokemon upon trading. Okay. So you have to work out deals like that with your friends. Um, Gengar, unlike Haunter being kind of like the class clown, Gengar is extremely terrifying. Even though it's a big, it's a tiny little smug fat bastard. It's not tiny. Lo- How tall is it? It's tall enough to fuck, according to Tumblr. <laughs> It sounds like it's like a it's 411 for the record teen movie Gengar. Well, just the idea of like you're ugly and you're a painter and overalls until like Freddie Prince Jr. thinks you're cute. <laughs> Pretty much. And then you're this powerful woman yeah, with a oh figure God. and glasses are <laughs> off. This is the second time in as many days I've had somebody bring up she's all that to me, really? and I love it because I was here's so here's the weird path I took to get to it to bring us back to politics for a minute. Um, Mike Pence is apparently a huge fan of Sixpence None the Richer that made that song that plays when she comes down the stairs. Okay. Yeah, he's hmm. apparently like a legitimate fan. That is very Do you weird. think he's just a fan because his name is in it? They're apparently a Christian <laughs> rock band. Oh. I know, but that may have something to do with it. Yeah, so is Creed. I'm sure more. he and Mother listen to it while they uh, drink their milk at night. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only woman he's allowed to be in a room with. <laughs> That's his alone time. That's yeah. his woman time. <laughs> God, I told my aunt about how Mike Pence calls his wife mother, and she was just like, okay, that's a funny joke. I'm like, no, it's serious. It's documented. And she just looked at me and went, well, I knew he was antediluvian, but even that's ridiculous. I want to believe, so I brought this up to Darling, making a reference to another thing earlier that we were talking about, but I want to believe that Mike Pence also calls a glass of milk, not just milk, milks. (laughs) If it's more than an ounce, he calls it a glass of milks. (laughs) All right, mother, time for our evening milks. Time for our evening milks. He calls her mommy when they're alone. Oh, too far. daddy, like that's his sexy. Like, I wonder if them having sex is mommy. I feel like that's how he tests the waters to know if it's on. Like, he like says like, so how are you doing tonight? Mommy. (laughs) <laughs> and how she responds yeah. to that. I love that. Foreplay is, you can I call wish, me mom. Like, I ah, wish we'd had almost. a video of that because I'm sitting next to Monica in the podcast room right now just saying mommy got her to edge like you a did. solid Because <laughs> well, daddy, I think, is creepy. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've never been a fan of the daddy culture. Yeah, no, because it's like, well, don't replace that. And you sh- that's if you're replacing that, that's fucked up. <laughs> so, yeah, mommy's that same word. That said. Hashtag no kink shaming. Hashtag no kink shaming. But the one time I have been called daddy, I did ask, are you asking me to co-sign on something with you? <laughs> I hope you were in the middle, in the middle of fornicating. And you're like, uh, uh, do you need me to grab a pen? Do you need That's for a different podcast. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> we are marked explicit, but not that explicit. <laughs> uh, hey, we promised scary things tonight. All right, good point. All right, so on to my next dating story. Uh, no, so Gengar. You dated Gengar once. I did date a Gengar once. So there so is a, I'll link to this in the show notes. There is a famous Tumblr meme, meme that I referenced uh, there at the start of this segment, <laughs> if you can remember five minutes ago now, um, where somebody says, hey, a Gengar is actually about four and a half feet tall. Um, and somebody comments in response to the post, that's tall enough to have sex with. And then the next person's like, yeah, that's true, but it's not the first thing I would think of. Yeah, and also is height the requirement? (laughs) (laughs) How tall are you? Doable. Must be this tall to ride. (laughs) (laughs) You're legally a small person if you're under five feet, right? I want to say it's like, I briefly dated a girl who was 4'11", and I think she said she was just above the cusp. But No, I feel like that's what... 
That's what I would say if I was four eleven. <laughs> five eleven, so mm -hmm. I'm a freak in my own height way. Yeah. Yeah, we're all we actually had to have Monica sit on the floor while we're sitting on normal desk chairs. Michael and I are extremely short for those of you that have never met us before. Just so we're at eye level. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Michael and I are actually standing on our chairs right now to be eye level. <laughs> I wasn't gonna admit that. Yeah. Monica yeah. grabbed my mic at one point and just said that she was playing keep away. Mm-hmm. We well I thought there was a baby in the room. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, No, you shouldn't have that. <laughs> we love the theater of the mind here. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I always have to tell people to let people know when Michael Darling is wearing his uh, open nipple shirts like he is Ooh, tonight. Oh, yeah. It's his podcasting shirt. Is that a Kubrick reference that you like to always have on hand? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I've got one last ghost story for you guys tonight. And this is probably the one that terrified me the most when I was uh, when I would spend summers in Trinidad because I'm a dumb. I was a dumb little kid. I'm a dumb man now, <laughs> but I was a dumb little kid. Now you understand the arc. Mm -hmm. um, more of a straight line, really. Um there is another demon in Trinidad called the Sukiant, um, which is a witch that lives in your neighborhood. And again, this is another thing that you'll probably notice parallels to in other folklore you've heard. But it's a witch that lives in your town in Trinidad. Um, it would take its skin off at night. And this is how it would maintain its immortality. It takes its skin off at night and flies around in a fireball. Um and how big that fireball is varies based on how much life force it has and has stolen from other creatures. But um, it's said that it gets most of its life force from newborn babies. So if you notice that your baby has fang-like marks on its thighs especially, it means that there's a sukiyant in your town that is sucking its life force. Hmm. Um, this may be indicative, of course, of other illnesses that a baby might have, blah, 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 blah. But point being... Uh, it's also a way to explain certain other phenomena that you might see. Um, fireflies. Fireflies are when they're are when they're super close to dying. Mm. Um, huh. Again, another case of OCD being victimized. Um, I know we're out of mental health awareness month, but this is another case of it being uh, stigmatized, where you kill a sukiyant by putting a pile of dry rice outside of your house and it getting stuck there counting the grains piece by piece until the sun comes up and kills it it wow. cannot survive sunlight until it puts its skin back on so if you catch it and huh. force maybe it to stay out there not mental health and it's math maybe it's just people really love math hmm. Hmm. yeah you reminded me that just reminded me of like a really weird children's story that i read about like a lesson about pride and being good at math which is a rare combination of morals to have in a children's story, but it was like this story about a king who said, I can promise you anything that you want as a reward. And this guy said, okay, uh, give me one grain of rice for every, like, you know, every board, every square on the chessboard. Start with one grain of rice, then double it to two, then double it for each square. And the king My was God. like, oh, of course I can do that. But then, of course, by halfway through, you're doing exponential increase. The king was delivering, like, having to have, like, herds of elephants delivering the rice to this uh, vizier that was trying to prove a point so that's how i learned about the power of math as a little kid and then i never made it past uh calculus <laughs> i actually have heard that story before or that, that i never made it past calculus well that's well known oh well, yeah. yeah i'm a bit of a legend in my time yeah, yeah that's on your tinder yeah <laughs> that's it's like huh? that and the tongue thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> if i don't get him this way i'll get him that way <laughs> covering both bases i've got you my types know. i've got my types yeah <laughs> ladies love men who don't like math and suck blood 
I'm not going there. No, paralyzes with their tongues. Yeah. That's, there that's we go. Right, that was the term, yeah. Yeah, that was the thing. So, Trinidadian legends being wrapped for the evening. Darling, tell, tell us a little bit more about Gengar. <laughs> well, so there is the uh, paranormal phenomenon that if you are in an area where ghost is or has been, there's the thing of cold spots mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, it might be just like one square foot within a room that is suddenly a lot colder than anywhere else in the room. And that's supposed to be where the ghost is or has been recently. So lots of Pokedex entries for Gengar mentions that it chills the air around it. Uh, And (laughs) the Pokedex entry for the game Pokemon Sun is particularly fun. It says, should you feel yourself attacked by a sudden chill, it is evidence of an approaching Gengar. There is no escaping it. Give up. Wow. Yeah. I have a question. Yeah. Um, <coughs> we didn't get into it. I'm a big ghost person. Hmm. Grew up with like friends whose parents are psychics and stuff. Why just are we just finding this out now? Because <laughs> you were telling yours, and I was like, "Let me tell mine." Always feels like you're pretty. Now tell me, I'm pretty. Like, it felt like that. <laughs> no, by you're all so means, so. you should have. Um, but d- w- are there little things you can do? Like you can salt a door. Yeah. You know, to re- to not let spirits in, you salt windows oh, and door mm. frames when you move in. You can sage a home to clear it, and then you salt it so they can't re-enter. Huh. I was just wondering if it includes those kind of fables or, like, covering reflections. So there are those kind of things. So Sukuyant, actually, if you can find its skin that it abandons to travel around at night, if you salt its skin, it'll die upon contact with the skin. So salt, so generally, that's another consistent thing, pan-cultural consistencies. Mm-hmm. Salt is a purifying element. Interesting. Element. Um, even though in terms of the periodic table, it's not an element, but let's Don't not. vampires have the same OCD thing as well? Well, I was talking the OCD, like you throw the rice or the coins Yeah, or so whatever. vampires have that too. Apparently the Headless Horseman in America also has that. Um, Weird, because that's like, that's not an urban that. legend. That's There's just, Ichabob uh, Crane? Yeah, well, huh, Ichabod like, Crane eventually got attached to the Headless Horseman myth, but the Headless Horseman myth preceded him. Really? Uh, I thought it was just all invented by Washington Irving. Yeah, so I'm a big supernatural ghost stories nerd. Not just the family stories. I love them. (laughs) (laughs) I had, like, a bunch of other ghost stories that I wanted to bring up. And then my dad, like, went off on this whole thing about personal family ghost stories. And I was like, oh, I gotta... Nobody knows these Trinidadian ghost stories. Yeah. But, yeah, no, salt generally has a purifying aspect. Mm -hmm. Headless Horseman proceeded. The other uh, pan-cultural element that is reflected in the Headless Horseman thing is crossing water. Oh, right. Crossing water is another thing that you see not just in Western myths, but also in a lot of Eastern Asian myths as well, that crossing water is the safest way to get away from a lot of demons. And, and Ghostbusters cross streams. Yeah. And Dan Aykroyd <laughs> gets head from a ghost. <laughs> that right. is the thing I wanted to... Now yes. we've come full Let's circle. Just, Thank you. It. Let's get into it. <laughs> I went for the reach there. I'm pulling us there. We need to talk about the fact pop culturally that dan Aykroyd, who is a self-avowed believer in ghosts his father was actually a ghost hunter ghostbusters is lightly based on his Mm -hmm. father's own stories as a ghost hunter but yeah dan Aykroyd is convinced that that one random scene where he's having a dream and a ghost then goes down on him is something that he is convinced happened to him to him yeah yeah she lived for a period in a house in the hollywood hills that used to belong to mama cass elliott of the mamas and the papas and he is convinced that he met her ghost on at least one occasion. Not saying that he thinks he hooked up with the ghost of Mama Cass, but... So yeah, Dan Aykroyd thinks he got ghost head. He got undead head. Yeah, so the weird thing I want to hmm. point out with this story isn't the fact that Dan Aykroyd is convinced of this and put this into a feature-length film that is a pop culture touchstone. It's the fact that Unlike we... Unlike Harry and the Hendersons. 
it's the fact that we as a collective society just kind of acknowledge the fact that this is fairly well known as far as it's in the movie. He apparently believes it happened to him. And we just kind of greet it with a, okay. Can I break it down? Because when it happens in the movie, and if it's too blue, I don't mean it to be, but like... There is no too blue. Does the ghost swallow his cum or does it shoot through and just like... It's very implied. they don't really show like, oh, sorry. No, you get the whole like ghost is clearly going up the co- underneath the covers. I remember his, that. Yeah, yeah, and then he just head goes back, and that's where it cuts. Well, head oh, goes back, yeah. and his eyes roll back. Is yeah. the real thing. Just like that. I mean, maybe ghost head is better than human head. Well, I guess the teeth are not as much of a thing. He's maybe? the only person who knows. Oh, it's cold. It's got like a chill to it. Like, yeah, you possible, know, possible. Dan Aykroyd. Let we us know. know. You listen. Let us Let know. Let us know. <laughs> He's Canadian. He'll call us. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. He's, yeah. He's, yeah. He's, he's, he listens right? to every podcast a Canadian appears yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. That's Canadian what we do. Content. Mm-hmm. Well, if he didn't stop listening after I insulted Solvang. <laughs> this episode right. is going on the CBC. CBC was great, guys. They have, like, a very nice history. <laughs> 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 I, um, hey, guys, just okay, a moment. No, no, no. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I have to litigate this with you oh, because no, I've... <laughs> there's CBC litigation now? Yeah, there's CBC litigation now. Oh, so no. I have a friend... Uh, my best friend from college is Canadian. He's from Vancouver. He is, he showed me a bunch of like Canadian PSAs about Canadian history. Love them. And I fought with him on half of them. <laughs> really? Half of them. Um, the one in particular that we always argued about was the one where Canada was claiming responsibility for Winnie the Pooh just because the bear was named after Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was in Canada at the time? No, the bear was in England. Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah was the bear Canada was, that's why, I said, that's why I argued with him about it. Uh, I was like, it's one thing. I think the bear was Canadian. The bear was the Canadian. Canadian. The bear is absolutely Canadian. The bear is named Winnipeg, uh, but it was in England, and it, it was inspired an English writer. I'm like, you don't it's get British. To... Yeah, 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 I get that. It just has a connection to Canada. You have to give basketball to Canada. Fair enough. Oh yeah, yeah. Smith is Canadian. Yeah, he's Canadian. The peach huh. baskets, that whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My favorite one was it was this. We used to reference it all the time and go, burnt toast. Because it's this woman <laughs> who's like with her family. And then she keeps being like, do you smell burnt toast? Burnt toast. And the family keeps looking at her funny. And then the first ever brain surgery was on, I guess, someone like this. And it was like a Canadian doctor. And they show her wide awake and what? him touching different parts of her brain. And nothing, nothing. And then burnt toast. <laughs> and they look at each other like, we figured it out. <laughs> So that one is like such a memory, but I liked it because instead of commercials, you learn something. Oh no, some of them were amazing. Like yeah. the one about like the uh, the railroads and how the railroads were built. Mm-hmm. That one was amazing and tragic. And I was like, and they talk about it. They're like they kind of owned up to it, which is yeah a horrible part of history, but mm. it happened. Yeah, unlike America that straight up tries to kinda yeah. shuffle stuff under the rug. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at you, the South. <laughs> Probably a lot. There was that Onion article a while back about how America's been having troubles because the entire country is built on an Indian burial ground. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's yeah. really too real. Yeah. Um, another mm-hmm. Onion article, to bring us back to a lighter subject, was the headline was uh, Area Man Using Up All Sick Days Before He Quits Company, and then there was a picture of Kevin Durant. <laughs> that was a good one. Wow. <laughs> I was looking for your reaction on that <laughs> I like one. That. <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't see it coming. And I was like, where is he going with this? A lighter direction? Um, yeah, so to bring us back to Gengar, um, did you ever read the Scary Stories collection when you were a kid? Do you remember this thing? I is forget. 
make a movie of it? It's a, coming out. Yeah, it's coming out. Um, but it was like a tr- it was a trilogy of books um, of American, mostly American folklore. Um, some of it was European inspired because I was that nerd that actually read like the index and citations and how he <laughs> researched it because I was so interested in it. That's it's how it goes. Coming out in am. August on August 9th, and it's a Canadian American co-production. Ooh. More CanCon here. Look at that. So yeah, so I mean, the main thing this is this is that group of scary stories. It's literally called Scary Stories, Scary Stories 2, and Scary Stories 3. Some of you all may not recognize it by that title. What you would recognize it by is if I tell you that it had the most terrifying illustrations that you've ever seen in your life. Well, it was Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, which I think was the best part. It wasn't mm-hmm. just Scary Stories. They're giving you a milieu in which to read them. Is this also with the hook? Is that where the campfire one and the oh, hook one yeah. came? Oh, yeah. Right? Hook, Harold, so, yeah. the mm. mother with like the fox and be- fox eyes and beaver tail or right. whatever it was. Okay. Um, I think I have read them, though. Yeah. So they were not only like the most popular thing in every library, but apparently, according to the documentary trailer, they're also the most banned book in America. I don't know about in Canada. Hmm. Huh. Um, but yeah. Over Mac- Madonna's ex- yeah, beauty sex. book? Sex, yeah. <laughs> 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 Over Catcher in the Rye, apparently. Apparently, it, wow. they are the most banned books in America because they were specifically marketed towards kids. Yeah, and they're I feel pagan. Like, I feel like Super fewer pagan. elementary yeah. school libraries would have sex on their shelves. So, yeah. Yeah, That's true. Sense. The one I thought of mainly with regards to the Gengar story is Harold. Um, because Harold, like especially the picture of Harold, um, resembles Gengar so much to me. It's like this stout little... Um, like scarecrow that these two drunk farmers make and it comes to life and just slow like it starts off very subtly it's a perfect case of like pacing and horror and but yeah so Harold is like a master study among that like anthology in my opinion of like building up to the horror of it and then delivering on the horror above and beyond what you're afraid of and then in a very subtle way because Harold starts by just grunting like just showing hmm. small signs of life and then very slowly his life starts to manifest in him moving around in him walking and slowly encroaching on the two brothers who used to beat him up when he was like inanimate and them being pushed further and further away from their space like they can't go outside anymore because Harold's marching around the farm um, and then when they finally escape it ends with one of the brothers realizing oh crap I left this thing behind that we need he goes back, the brother waits for him, and of course, first brother that went back doesn't show up, so other guy goes back, finds Harold on the roof, tanning his brother's skin in the sun. Hmm. Yeah. To eat? Maybe to make leather, maybe to make himself a new outfit. Right. Yeah, because, you know, human you leather. A, you need a like bag a to carry yeah. all that body. Yeah. Yeah. Keep the meat good through the winter. Or make some mezcal. <laughs> Are you a mezcal drinker? I do enjoy it, yeah. Oh, okay. Good stuff. I've never gotten into it. It's a oh. little too smoky for my taste. I'm a whiskey drinker. Oh, I huh. can't drink whiskey, so. Oh, well, there you go. Two they, sides of the coin. Yeah. See, it's weird because you love scotch. I would think you would love mezcal. Yeah, that's what people tell me. Um, it's too close to tequila for me. I have, huh. like so many people, I have that stupid, I drank too much tequila in college story, and now I can't stand the smell of it. I also wonder if you tried different varietals because the flavor... It can be so different from tequila where you couldn't even tell. Okay. Maybe recommend me like a mezcal flight. I'll um, see what I can do. Yeah, we'll go to Galagate sometime. I've okay. done a number of them. So, yeah. Nice. Okay. Good. 
I just got back. Fun story. I just got back from Israel where I accidentally i'll probably edit this out but i discovered like a uh, i discovered like the fifth largest whiskey collection in the world by accident at a bar like at a bar i would not have noticed this place walking by on the avenue at all because it was like tucked away go and look at it go inside i like ask what is this place it's a whiskey bar and museum and they're like oh yeah well we called it that on the website but it's just you know we have like the fifth largest whiskey collection in the world Wow. I'm like, who has bigger? <laughs> They're like, three of them are in the UK. I'm like, well, okay. I missed those other ones when I passed through London recently, so let's sit down and do some flights. <laughs> if you happen to find yourself in Tel Aviv, I strongly recommend you look it up. It's right in central Tel Aviv. Um, great place, great menu, and they have a book of 75 different whiskey flights that are grouped by region, by flavor profile, and by uh, age. Um, so you can pick your poison in if terms of how you want to approach it. This was in America. I feel like you'd get, like, your name on a dollar bill if you've had all 75 or, like, your bra on the wall stapled. <laughs> I love I how you go to bra on the wall and not picture on the wall <laughs> first. No, I feel like it would be, I like, I love the bars you like. hang out with. <laughs> <laughs> but it's an idea. I feel like outside of America, I don't think I would see them being, like, once you've done all 75, oh, this yeah. is your... <laughs> like, there's the grog log at... Uh, Tonga Hut out in North Hollywood, mm-hmm. where it's like, you drank everything on this list, we're going to give you a plaque. Yeah. There's one of that in, like, Ojai, where you get your own mug mm. if you drank at this bar enough times. And they're real douchey about it, where they're like, not enough times yet. <laughs> I was like, that's okay, I'm all right. <laughs> See, the only picture I have on the wall of any kind of a eating establishment or drinking establishment is for spiciness. Like, I can tolerate spice pretty well. So I have my face on the wall of one Hot Wings place in New York and one ramen place in the South Bay of L.A. um, that I, like, forced myself to inhale ramen at. But, yeah. I was like, I just wanted to do this once in my life, and I never want to do it again. My face is on the wall at Brass Monkey. And I hate it. Your face. My picture of me. Oh, not your bra. No. (laughs) My face, not my bra. (laughs) Bras are too expensive. Whenever you go to, like, New York bars where they have, like, Bright Coyote Ugly or whatever, there's no way I'm giving you a $50 bra. No. I've never paid for a bra. Yeah, I know. I was going to say, they're expensive. Why is your photo at Brass Monkey? I have no idea. I think because I'd been in a few things at the time, and I went there often when I first moved here. Do you have a signature on it? Do you have an autograph on it? No, it's just a photo. It's two. Of, it's like two people, me and somebody else, and we're both in it. Were you we actually posing for the photo? Was it like? Yeah, no, they asked oh, okay. us to take a photo, and huh. I just don't think I realized. I went back a while ago, and a regular recognized me, and it's been, I haven't been in like seven years or something. I don't know. Huh. There are well, diehard the people there. Okay, so bar, bars, so sure. bar recommendation for listeners. No, uh, I wouldn't actually. <laughs> listeners, please... Go to this bar, no. buy a drink, take a photo, send it to us. No. <laughs> Assuming we're not editing out this part. No, we're definitely leaving this okay, part in. No. The story in All right, then. Uh, but let's start to wrap it up yeah, and get to so the uh, closing segments. Just some notes about Gengar before we move on. Uh, Gengar is the favorite Pokemon of Pokemon designer Ken Sugimori. I think that is incredibly important. That's a huge milestone. Yeah. Because he created them all? He helped design most of the first generation of Pokemon. So like yeah, Kermit. Tell us about Lavender Town uh, Syndrome, and then we'll move yeah. into the... Uh, oh, well, first there's a fan theory that Gengar is the shadow or ghost of a Clefable, because hmm. they have similar dimensions. They both have the little ears. They're both big enough to fuck. 
They're taller than four. That's called a callback. Yeah. Mm. And there's a handful of Pokemon creepypastas, which we will get back to later on throughout the series. Uh, but the one I want to bring up now is Lavender Town Syndrome. This is an urban legend that the Lavender Town theme that we played earlier in the program was so, well, not weird, but there was something in the music itself, the chiptune song, that was making Japanese children kill themselves. And the story goes that 200 children killed themselves in incredibly violent ways, as well as uh, Game Freak designer Koji Nisino, who allegedly killed himself in front of police because of the Lavender Town music. There's one problem with that story. He's very much alive. He's still working on the games. And we'll get into this in a few months, but he is the inspiration for Snorlax. Yes, I mean, among celebrities supposedly being dead is not a new thing. Morgan Freeman apparently is declared dead every six months or so and then has to, like, tweet. <laughs> I feel like same nope. with, like, Jodie Sweetin. Like, isn't she from Full House? Or, like, yeah. oh, like yeah. random, like, B celebrities all of a sudden will be like, you're dead. Well, they also, like, their images get used on those, like, clickbait articles, especially. Like, you won't believe which celebrity died in the past year that you didn't hear about. Yeah. Yeah, I so. think Maya uh, Wilson has to correct that. Mara Wilson has to correct that every so often. Mm-hmm. So, Darling, do you have any closing thoughts for us on Gengar? Uh, I just want to share the beta names. Please. Please. Pokemon from the original Red and Blue beta. So, these were all incredibly lazy names. Hang on, quick thing for Monica. Beta names, if you don't know. Mm-mm. Okay, beta names for listeners and for Monica that don't know. It's for like the weaker male version of them. <laughs> yes. Not an alpha, but the betas. <laughs> Ish, it's uh, it's a test name, basically, before they okay, actually yeah. release it into the wild. Yeah. So. Into the wild, yeah. Uh, so, Ghastly was originally known as Sprite. Haunter was Spectre. And Gengar was simply Phantom. Uh, Gengar is real name, as it were, uh, its official name, is a corruption of the Japanese name Gangar, which is a play on Doppelganger. So yeah, they're big on trivia. playing on names. I learned last episode that Ash Ketchum is a play on Ketchum All. Are you going to be like Ashton Kutcher trying to catch who stole his car? <laughs> I love <Dude>. that movie. <laughs> <laughs> God, I saw a terrible meme the other day, and this is uh, probably because all? we're at the tail end of the bottle of wine that Monica and I have been <laughs> splitting this episode. But uh, but it was, instead of, dude, where's my car? It's, anytime I have more than four drinks in the night, dude, I should text my ex. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I've never been that. I've never Pokemon, and I never did the text and ex. I mean, problem problematic uh, author to reference, but Kurt Vonnegut actually referenced drunk dialing way back before really? we even had a term for it. Yeah, there's a bo- I think it's uh, God bless you, Mr. Rosewater, if I'm not mistaken, where he talks about I have a terrible affliction where I drink and want to call people. Yeah, yeah. God, that's, that's great. It. Yeah, that is exactly it. Um, my version of drunk texting, I'm actually kind of proud of how I drunk text. I start getting really encouraging when I drunk text. <laughs> it's kind of like the reverse flip side of like, you know how like the cliche, whenever somebody does Coke, they start like, being, I need to open a business. I need to start doing this. Me on the other hand, when I drink, I start like thinking like, I wonder how this friend is doing on that project. I wonder how this friend is doing on that like goal. Keep and I start, going. and I just text them like, Hey, I just want to let you know you're awesome. Nice. So, yeah, if you want encouraging texts randomly on, like, a thirsty Thursday night, hit okay. me up. There you go. Okay, I'm the guy. <laughs> so, speaking of making things better, 
How would we make these Pokemon that we've tried to discuss today better? Welcome to the section that we call Mon Mods. Michael, please lead us off. I think all these are very solid designs, but I think a fun thing that could be done is we could make Ghastly a little more gaseous, just in the way of having the face elements always kind of rotating, flipping around, just don't have a solid face, have a face that's constantly just moving around the body, so to speak. I got an idea. Ooh. He's 95% gas, right? Mm-hmm. What if, dependent on his mood, it comes out of different places in his body? Ooh. <laughs> so if he's nervous, it's a fart? Yeah. Or if he like likes the person, it's just like, oh, sorry, through his ears, or he's angry, <laughs> steam above the head. So you're picturing like kind of like anger from inside out, except gas ghost dude. Yeah, not all of it has to be a fart joke. So they are always. But great. the fart joke was necessary. Yes. Oh yeah. Because it okay. Work. So I wasn't out of place going. No, of course. But right then, that way everything is like, if it's love, it ends up coming out like this way from the front. It's like, huh. oh look, he's just being happy. Hmm. <laughs> I like that. So the funny thing is, is that you actually are intuiting like a nuance that there is present in another Pokemon we still haven't discussed. Um, a Pokemon named Eevee actually has like eight different forms it can evolve into that are reflective of different kinds of states. It's more of a permanent transition than anything else, but it does have a form that it changes into if you love it enough. Oh, so permanent meaning you can only transform once? Yeah, you can only transform yeah. it once. It becomes okay. this thing. It grows into this thing. Yeah. Okay. Or if you hate it, it turns into a dark thing. Well, you, it turns into if you love baby. it and you evolve it at night, it becomes a dark yeah. thing. It's like a gremlin. Yeah. Depending on whether or not you feed it after midnight and all that. Yeah, but it's always adorable. Monica, do you follow the Institute of Gremlin to, Gremlins 2 studies on Twitter? I don't. Oh, it's a fun account. It's a fun account. I'll, I'll show it later. Oh, yeah. Send we'll link it. it in the show notes as well, folks. Um, so for my Mon Mods, I just, uh, you know, I didn't have a whole lot to change about these guys. Um, I think that Ghastly, as much as they're going on a play of words, it's just a lazy design. Um, it's just two eyes floating over another vague ball, and we and a had, big old mouth. We had a we had an episode just last episode where we talked about how boring a vague ball surrounded by a an oyster shell was, and I feel like it's kind of uh, unfaithful to talk about a vague ball surrounded by a cloud of purple gas is not boring. So I don't know. I just wish there were more of an implication of what kind of a specter this is. Like we talked about at the very beginning of the episode before, like. 20 digressions about Harry and the Hendersons um, about how ghastly is like supposed to be a ghost or a specter and the nuance of like the different terms. Let's pick a term. Let's pick what it is and maybe give it like a little bit more implication in that direction. So if it's hmm. a demon, make it more demonic. If it's an actual ghost, let's see some hints about what it's a ghost of. Or if it's just a straight up specter, then you know what? Give me a hood and something that it's like able to like use to some kind are of are they good or bad or can they continually move from side to side yes see that's the other thing is that there's an amorality in the pokemon universe because we don't have god in this universe god <laughs> is dead he fainted Pikachu, no god is an archie defeated him yeah god fainted <laughs> um, uh, you use them how you will and they work with you okay yeah yeah you teach me and i teach you as the song goes Okay. Yeah. yeah. There is no absolute truth is basically what that implies. Okay. So that moves us into, instead of talking about how we change the Pokemon in their world, how would we change them in our world? 
Welcome to Mont's World. A celebration of the harmony between humans and Pokemon. This is my Michael, lead us off as always, please. I think the film based on the Gengarba Duke would be a gay rights icon. It is Pride Month. Um, Monica. <laughs> How would I change him for the world we're in now? No, so what would they just be doing in the world we're in now? I mean, my prediction is pretty boring. I just think they'd be haunting libraries. Specifically libraries. No other form of building. Well, and mausoleums, clearly. We know that from the, sh from the games. I feel like they could be tour guides. Tour guides, ooh. But hmm. then they'll kill you if you, you know, you spit gum or like, you know, in New Orleans, like you don't. They're extra don't, severe tour yeah, guides. Yeah, if you I ask like for things or if you steal a rock or certain places like that, like mm -hmm. they're kind of like, you're done, but I'll show you. Fair enough. I like it. And they don't leave a footprint. No footprints ooh. whatsoever. So are you walking with Jesus when you walk on the beach? Or are you walking with a Is it one of those? Like, I was <laughs> I was like trying to figure out a way to make like the right? footprints in the sand yeah. reference. You beat me to it. Fuck. Uh, well, there was one set of footprints in the sand. That's because Haunter has no feet. Um. So we are on to my last and favorite section now. Mon appetit. You like my personal recommendation. Okay, so to bring us home, this is where we talk about how we would eat one of these semi-tangible Pokemon today. So this is a bit of a challenge. Um, I'll lead off to maybe potentially inspire our co-host and co-hosts that are potentially stumped. I would say that, uh, you know what, I am a fan of hookah. And I would take a ghastly infused hashish uh, for an evening out. <laughs> so... Consuming the Pokemon doesn't necessarily mean having to have them cooked into some kind of a, uh, you know, cut neat platter. You can consume them in another way. But I'm going to go with Ghastly because even the, because I think like once you put it in the hashish, probably a delightful flavor there. So, darling. Remember that Parks and Rec episode where the guys go to an experimental cocktail bar uh, and Ron looks on in horror at cocktails that are served as vapors and lotions? I'm going to drink uh, me some Ghastly Vapor. I was about to say, you're looking at me while you're saying that, but you know I remember Parks and Rec. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Parks and Rec. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel, you know, when you go to, like, uh, or you watch any sort of cooking show and they have something that you cut it open and then, like, poof, Ooh. it melts inside or something. I think that would be fun because you still get the devilish murdery <laughs> cut. So you still get to be like, I'm going to hurt you. And then the gas comes out. Can you but please I'll come back again? <laughs> <laughs> but right, but then it would like transform into ice or whatever, like as an icing. I mm. like, I don't know. I think that would be a fun way to eat it. Mm. It's not like a meat where you have to cut it. It's more just like, ooh, wow. There yeah. is a particular name for that cuisine technique. There is. And I, I watched the guy who invented it. I watched a, uh, this shows you how much I remember. Uh, I believe he was Spanish, him and his brother. And his brother was famous for being a restaurateur. And he was famous for inventing all of these amazing. It's not um, Jose Andres, is it? I remember his name. Okay. I just watched a documentary on him on Netflix, if that helps. Hmm. But yeah, it was all about how he invented um, all these different things. Like you cut it and then it turns into a gas. He invented like these tiny, like olive oil that's uh, gel formed. Huh. And it's a dessert. Huh. Yeah, it's molecular gastronomy. So that just uh, reminded me of something that will appeal to some listeners, possibly not all. But if you have a tolerance for anime, I strongly recommend an anime called Food Wars, which surprisingly, it's a satire on one side of like cliche anime bullshit. But then on the other side, it is like about 
these high school kids competing in a culinary like prodigy high school and actually using real food science to do so so like somebody did a blog post about like half of the recipes in the first season and the science behind it the methodology behind the recipes are legit wow that's cool can i recommend an anime that probably everyone's already watched is it called dragon ball z (laughs) no it was one punch man Mm. Oh, that's fantastic, yeah. But now it's become really popular, I feel like, because we're still waiting on that next season. I just like the existentialism of it all. Well, not just the existentialism. That's another one that satirizes, like, anime cliches, too. Yeah, they sort of have fun with it, yeah. Yeah. But I feel like it's pretty popular now. Everyone's watched it. It's on Netflix. One Punch Man is. Um, You should be on YouTube. That's how I would see it. Yeah, Food Wars, on the other hand, not sure how you can see that. I think you might have to deal with ads on Crunchyroll or something like that. But Harry and the Hendersons, probably going to be a deep cut Amazon. One of my favorite animes. <laughs> so to bring us home, I think that's, uh, that's Mon Appetit, and that's it. Monica, you survived. Thank you so much for coming here. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Anything um, you wish to plug? I have shows. <laughs> I do uh, a one-woman show, and I just—it's my name, Monica Smith. It's improv. I do it at all the theaters around town in Los Angeles. I have a Twitter, MissMonicaSmith.com. No, Miss Monica Smith. That's it. We'll link to it in the show notes, folks. Yeah. And yeah, you are a delightful. T- you had a film project that you're working on, the 48-hour film project. I did that, and I just shot a short film, and I'm about to shoot another one. Nice. Um, nice. in the coming weeks. So yeah. Cool. Still working and writing. On the grind. Yeah. yeah. Michael, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter at Future Has Been. Okay. Ooh, look at your little. It's very hopeful and optimistic. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I have goals. Um, yeah. Mine is a little bit more self deprecating. My Twitter is at Y underscore blue. That's W H Y underscore blue. Um, you can follow me there for pictures of Cordelia as well as updates on my other projects in addition to this podcast. But for now, I am Yanata Blue. I was Michael Darling. I'm still Monica Smith. Thanks for being here. <laughs> <laughs>